Welcome to Market Scale Retail. I'm Sean Heath, and today I have the pleasure of having a conversation with Ricardo Dos Santos Michelino, the CEO and founder of And Dos Santos. Ricardo, how are you today? I'm doing fine. It's such a pleasure to be on your show. Thank you very much for inviting me. I'm very excited to talk to you. I would like for you to start off by explaining to me why it's not always a great idea to think big. <laughs> why it's not always a big idea uh, yeah, to think big. Why it's not? Well, listen, these days, um, t- uh, the technology change is offering us so many opportunities, and we are really entering absolutely new fields and we we need to explore these fields we need to explore these worlds a little bit more before we decide to really go full in so you what you need to do first is to just see if that kind of concept that you have in your mind will work or will not work and therefore you don't need always to create a complete solution sometimes it's just a kind of a little MVP, as we say, so a minimum uh, viable product that you need to come up with and then just test with the target group and see if they connect with it, if they like it and yeah, want to have more before you go really full in. Is that a challenge that you find yourself dealing with more and more with larger clients that they are stuck in that big mindset? Yes, indeed. So, um, um, me, myself, I was working for a corporate organization for a very long time. And what I experienced there is what I experienced still today with most of the companies. So if you want to bring in change in a lot of the companies, you it's sometimes really hard to think small. Most of them always think big and always think of innovation or digital transformation in in terms of complete business transformation. And then you end up going to stage engage process. You go through a very lengthy process until you get to the point just to get a kind of a, um, uh, evaluation, a kind of a confirmation that this idea that you have had was the right one to go in. And you, and you also miss a lot of, um, or most of the times then you also miss just to, to test it um, in different versions, just to do A-B testing with, with a kind of a concept that you came up with. So, and, and this is something that I see is one of the biggest struggles if it comes to organizations, big corporate organizations, to be truly innovative and to be really open to new ideas, to technology, and also embrace all the opportunities which come with these ideas. One thing I find a little ironic is that it appears that sometimes a company's success can actually hinder their growth. I guess because maybe they they think, oh, this is successful. We don't want to mess with it. We don't want to take a chance on disrupting our own success. And so their success brings about a fear of failure. That seems kind of counterintuitive. It's, it's, it's perhaps not so much the fear of failure. It's much more the, the structure, the, um, the whole operations, how a co- corporate organization is set up doesn't really offer you the opportunity to be truly innovative. So to give you an example, it's an old example, so I can talk about it. When I was working for Coca-Cola, we were really struggling about bringing in new products to the market. Why? Because 
every time we wanted to launch a new healthy drink or a kind of a, a functional drink, we always thought in the big terms. So we need to bring this to the, to the big supermarkets. We need to have extra self space. Instead of just thinking, perhaps launching it in a small cafe around the corner where you might find some people who, um, who are more kind of thought leaders in terms of having healthy drinks and then build up the business from there. So this worked best when we really founded a complete new organization to be innovative or to bring a new idea to the market and let this organization and this new organization work like, um, let's say, a startup. And this is also what I'm seeing a lot with organizations. So I'm in, in Europe. Um, I'm based in Europe. So I'm seeing a lot of these these um, things happening with big organizations where this approach to technology innovation is just outsourced out of the company. And then you put this in a, in a separate organization where you have a team just looking into uh, different technological uh, solutions and um, ways how to be more efficient in operations. But then again, if you bring this outside of your, of your corporate organization, you have a kind of a problem just to build a bridge at the end, you know? How do you take then all this learning and implement it again into this big organization? So to me, it's not so much a fear. It's much more a kind of a, um, the operations that are not ready to, to really embrace this, this, this new way of, of creating, of innovating, um, solutions. One of the things that I've noticed that you do at Endosentos is you take a scientific approach to media and advertising and communication, and that's not exactly common in the retail space. Uh, the scientific approach, as you mentioned, maybe a smaller test uh, area, maybe a smaller test rollout as a way to set up laboratory conditions. That's kind of a unique approach that you've decided to take. Is that based on just your own personal experiences on what you have found works? Well, to me, it just feels right. You know, it feels right just not to go, not to, to um, change the complete setup. It's sometimes, you know, you just need a bit of space. You just need um, a kind of a corner where you can test things. And then it's really about us or the client being very precise in terms of what we want to test, what kind of answers needs to be answered at the end of this test to have enough information to decide if we can expand it or if we should rather think of an alternative solution. But to me, again, I don't think that's so innovative. So to me, it's just logical to do it this way. You know, if you, if you work with, with startups, that's, that's, the whole concept of how a startup which is bootstrapped just start their business. They do little pieces, try them, and if they work, they build it bigger, try them. If they work, they build it bigger, and so on and so on. So the typical innovation cycle that you just need to go through, and I think this is the way how, um, how um, companies should think more um, about being innovative, and especially in the retail space. You work on a daily basis with just a, a tremendous number of great minds, thought leaders. So scientists, designers, artists, you're constantly inviting different perspectives 
as far as thought to help inform the approach that you want to take for any given client. Talk to me about building that sort of team. The idea was a result of an experience that I was that I was um, having back at Coca Cola. So, best projects that I that I have done were those projects where I had the chance to work directly with people who can or who can develop ideas, who have their own ideas, who were able to develop their own concepts, and at the same are also able then to execute those ideas. And if I bring them then together with other people from other areas and let them work and chew on on a specific test, that there's really a bit of magic in the room that you can bring to life. To give you an example, um, I was working at that time. I was working on the first uh, uh, Coca Coke Zero James Bond sponsorship, and we just got the notice very short term that we will be sponsor of this new of this new um, of this new uh, movie that was coming out in September and that was in, in May. So I had to bypass or I had to just find uh, shortcuts to solutions. So I invited not just a film director, but I also invited designers, retail designers, salespeople to the table. And together within two months, we created a whole campaign, which was then rolled out in TV, online, uh, in, in retail, um, but also uh, not just in one market, but in 54 markets uh, worldwide. And this really um, strengthens my belief that it's always better that you bring in the talent who is on the one side a very experienced person in a certain field, in a certain uh, area of expertise. And then you think of what could be an interesting combination um, of expertise around the table to solve your task. And this is basically the model that we're working uh, with today. So um, when we are developing a new prepaid concept for Vodafone, for example, you will find also a fashion designer around the table. When we are developing a new um, digital news product for um, for a big publishing house here in, in Europe, Axel Springer, you might find also a novelist at the table. And and you 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 if you if you are part of this, you will see how how magical this moment is and how many fresh perspectives you can gain out of such um, collaboration. And that's what I love most. <laughs> There is a new set of tools that you are able to employ to help your clients achieve a greater degree of success and, and longer term viability, and that's artificial intelligence and big data. While there is an inherent skepticism about just how powerful those two things can be, talk to me a little bit about how that is changing your mindset or your approach to helping clients come up with solutions? First of all, I, my belief is that data, the access to data and also being capable of analyzing this data is crucial for any success of any business in the future. If you today are in retail, you need to have a very clear understanding of what your customer needs and thinks, what kind of momentary mood he is in, and then use this information to provide them with a very personalized and very suitable offer for that moment. Thinking of data, um, 
We are working at the moment uh, on a project for an airport here in Europe. And the, um, this airport, it's, um, it's about developing the commercial, commercialization strategy for 2025. And what we just found out is that there is so much very valuable information and data. And of course, you need to keep all the GDPRs in mind and you need to keep the uh, legislation in mind, what you can do with this data. But if we find an access to this information, if we find also a way that people are willing to provide us this information, it will us give us it will give us so much of an advantage when it comes to to give a better offer in retail. Just imagine if someone is checking the departure of a certain flight and I know where this person is in that moment. It's it's on the one hand side I can give him of course information about where his uh, departure gate will be, which security lane will be the fastest. But if I know that he, for example, will have 30 or 45 minutes at the airport, I can start making a very valuable offer to him. I can ask him what he would like most, for example, if he would like to shop or if he would like to um, have food. I, would, I could already give him an idea of what kind of um, offer from the menu of a certain restaurant will suit his uh, momentary needs best or his, 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 the time that he has available. I could also ask him if I should compose a certain retail food experience for him so that he can uh, even shop, I don't know, the little present for um, his wife or for her husband to bring back home. So this information is so valuable in really translating a, a new offer into a new offer for, for um, the, the travelers in this case. And uh, it, just, it just needs to be handled on the one hand side in a very carefully way, but also in a way that we give um, an added value to this traveler. Take a little bit of the hustle from him or from her when she's traveling and offer perhaps some surprising moments. And this is what data can do for us. And this is where then we use artificial intelligence or machine learning just to find out what correlations are there and how also to bundle then different offers for certain people. And plus, I can also then use this information just to better understand what worked and what didn't work with the help again of artificial intelligence. Some of the largest changes happening in the retail industry are based on technological advances, but another huge element in the retail space is just how important Gen Y and Gen Z is becoming, not just from the customer side, but from the business side as well. Talk to me a little bit about that balancing act. Yes, yeah, so the balancing act uh, is, as you said, you um, you need somehow to balance this gap between the baby boomers and the generation, perhaps the generation X, and then on the other side, the millennials or the generation Z. And the balance is, if you if you look at it top line, you could say, hmm, Perhaps it's just about the use of technology. So millennials or Generation Y, Generation Z, they are just more digital. But that's not all. In contrary, these are the target groups which really look for experiences in the real world. So the way into the hearts of those those people, of those young generations, 
is creating truly new experiences, which gave them the opportunity to stick out perhaps also in their social community, but also which give them an added value in terms of something that they, that they learn, some, making their, the time that they're investing into, into this experience very valuable for them. And what we can see today, for example, is that if you, if you look at how willing they are to buy a product versus how willing they would be to spend this amount of money into an experience, three out of four millennials would say that they rather give their money for an experience than just for a product, just buying a product. So if you want to be successful, you need to be yeah, aware of how much you need also to create a whole scenario, a new world in retail to attract these people to your business. There's a digital change coming in the way that we live. It's inevitable. It's going to happen. Uh, it will only pick up speed as the technology improves and as basically we improve our understanding of how to use that technology. Now, you mentioned that you were thinking about the airport of the future. There's quite a bit of thinking with regard to augmented reality and virtual reality and how we can take those concepts to improve our physical reality. Talk to me a little bit about just how exciting it is to have that additional layer that you can work with when you're trying to create a marketing or a retail experience. Uh, let's try with the negative aspect of AR and VR. I think today what we can see, and I think that's, that's typical for the early times of a new technology, we see a lot of gimmicky stuff or gimmicky ideas being brought to life just because a new technology is offering me, offering me the opportunity to, I don't know, to see a certain product in um, augmented reality doesn't really convince at the end of the day people to really reuse this application also also um, come back and uh, buy even more products through this application. So, um, for example, if you think of the airport, luxury products, just to offer someone a luxury product um, in the lounge in augmented reality that wouldn't work but what works is if you find a moment where people are really looking for a solution to a certain to a certain um, hustle or to a certain challenge that they are facing take for example again the, um, the, the navigation part within an airport this can be sometimes really stressful and also uh, really stressful just in terms of finding um, finding uh, what you are looking for. And you know, millennials or even the Generation X, if you ask them, somebody today, how do you search for a product? They will tell you they Google it. And the same happens then in the airport. They rather look into their smartphone than to find something. So the solution here is really about thinking, um, rethinking the navigation systems within an airport, but then also trying to, once we, once we made the life easier, also to think of what could else make the life easier, letting them perhaps also again decide what they are up for today if they have two hours before the, the plane goes, or what they might want to find um, at their destination when they arrive, if they don't have now, for example, the time for for um, buying that little present for 
the husband or the little present for your wife, that you perhaps have a pickup service at the airport where you arrive. And then you just shop whatever you want to shop in augmented reality and ask to, to bring it there to the, to the, um, to the gate. So it, it really needs, so there are lots of opportunities and we just need to rethink what kind of opportunities can we really um, make easier, make um, more, um, yeah, can take the hassle out of it for the travelers. For the last question today, what one piece of advice would you give to a company, whether it's a new company or whether it's an established company, with regard to the smartest way for them to use artificial intelligence and big data moving forward? What do they need to be critically aware of? What I need to be critical aware of is if you want really to make best use of it, you shouldn't, or what you should do is just to put the responsibility for artificial intelligence and big data into the hands of those who create the business. So to me, these are the salespersons. They need to understand what kind of information is available and then also translate this into solutions, into new offers and test them. So what we see sometimes, and it's to me a mistake, that the responsibility is, uh, it lies with an IT department or it lies in the area of procurement or whatsoever. And to me, this is not the right approach. So you need to enable the sales teams, you need to enable those who are responsible for the business to make best use of that data information and also the analytics that are behind this data to improve the offer to create new ideas how to attract new customers new um, clients to the business today i have had an opportunity to have a fascinating conversation with ricardo dos santos michelino the ceo and founder for ando santos ricardo thank you so much for taking the time today thank you very much it was a pleasure to be on your show Thank you for listening to this episode of our podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, go to marketscale.com slash industries. And if you have a chance, subscribe to the MarketScale publications for the latest articles, videos, and podcasts from your favorite industries.